The UK Report with Adam Gilchrist. 18 minutes to 8. Time for that UK Report. Adam, good morning. Morning, Kino. Now, anti-Russian sanctions. Pity they didn't put Putin on there. Yes, he's not on there, is he? But some of his aides are, and I suppose he could be travelling alone. Um, And it's rather a lot of countries. I mean, 27 European Union countries who have put these travel bans in place. Although they haven't named them. Interestingly, America has, but the EU bans haven't. And likewise, the uh, assets frozen as well. Um, But it's thought they will have some kind of impact, though it looks like a relatively small impact, doesn't it? And and we haven't yet planted economic sanctions on it. But as the UK Foreign Secretary William Hague said, you know, this is an answer to the mockery of democracy that was Crimea's yes vote. The only thing about it is, and yes, of course, it was was a hasty referendum, wasn't it? And um, obviously with armed forces in place and the question itself didn't really have uh, a a decent uh, set of options, shall we say. Mm. But it was about self-determination. And so if 97% of Crimeans, even in the dodgy vote, uh, decided they wanted to be Russian rather than in any way Ukrainian, that is self-determination. And, of course, it's exactly Mm. that thing that keeps Gibraltar and the Falklands British. So we may have to be a bit careful there, really. Yep, and uh, different strokes for different folks. It all depends on your own vested interests as a country. At the well, end that's of the day. true, and I, I suppose, um, yeah, stepping back from afar, very few of us, uh, very few companies, indeed, in in Britain and beyond, have vested interests in Crimea. But nonetheless, there's a sort of there's a burning thing here, which is that uh, Russia has suddenly had a look at the European Union and gone, "Hang on, you're too close. You're getting too close." And if Ukraine had joined the EU, and I suppose it yet could. Um, then that's right on the doorstep, and, and Russia doesn't like that. You know, apart from anything else, this is a very flippant thought, but I, I'm going to share it with you anyway. <laughs> I wonder what will happen in the Eurovision Song Contest, and who will be voting for whom? It could be <laughs> rather interesting, couldn't it? <laughs> and if the Ukraine joins, then maybe you'll have some dancers as well. Now, <laughs> the Oxfam inequality equation, talk to me about it. Yeah, there was an old stat, I remember, um, which was about the haves and have-nots of Britain, uh, 784. In fact, there's a theatre company named after that very stat, the 784 Theatre Company. Anyway, Mm -hmm. that was 7% of the population having 84% of the wealth. Well, now we have an Oxfam report which suggests that, if anything, that gap has grown. Uh, The difference between rich and poor, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, which isn't exactly a new take, but they're saying that, you know, their Tale of Two Britons report suggests a deeply divided society, growing inequality, and uh, understandably, resentment. And so mm. their new stat is that Britain's five richest families have more wealth than the 12 million poorest people. So five families are richer than a fifth of the population. Five, five, if you like. Um, and they name those families. And I don't know, it's all very well saying, look, he's rich, I'm not, it's not fair. But I... I guess we're meant to have, even with conservative governments and so forth, less polarisation is the idea, isn't it? Mm. That's, I mean, it's something we need to look at in South Africa, for example. You know, if, we, if you look at the wealth in the country versus the abject poverty, which I think is even more challenging than in the UK, yeah, sure. it would be very interesting to find out where all the wealth actually sits. Now, Trot did a runner. Well, you remember the big hoo-ha on England's disastrous Ashes tour to Australia pre-Christmas. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Trott pulled out with, and I quote at the time, it was a stress-related illness. Mm. And, you know, he's a linchpin in the side, the number three batsman. And he came home to lots of sympathetic noises. Everyone remembering Marcus Tres- Trescothic and his depression.
depression and other uh, cricketers, and indeed there have been a couple of suicides through depression, and so everyone very sensitive. I think there were one or two Australians who were perhaps slightly less sensitive, but anyway, back he came, and Jonathan Trot, here we are, fast forward three months or so, and Jonathan Trot has now said that he wasn't suffering from depression, he was just feeling uh, burnt out and in need of a rest, or in other words, he was suffering what an awful lot of Englishmen and South Africans have suffered since, Mitchell Johnsonitis. <laughs> and so therefore, to say that he was just a bit burnt out and needed to come home, Michael Vaughan, the ex-England captain, says that it was a con. Matthew Hoggard, the ex-England fast bowler, suggests that it was an astonishing thing to do and disrespectful. He really has stirred up the hornet's nest again, as Jonathan Trott, which is rather odd when you think about it. Somebody saying, it's OK, I'm not suffering from mental illness, and then everyone's cross with him. Now, Adam, why didn't you warn me about this? I've been wanting one for ages, a flood car for sale. <laughs> yes, here we go. Um, this is one of, uh, well, I suppose it was one of the symbols of the UK floods, photographed by the world's media, because there it was, submerged on a country road in Somerset, the Seat Toledo, a 15-year-old car, a bit battered up in the first place, abandoned on Christmas Eve, and uh, even Prince Charles took photos of it and was commenting on it and so forth. <laughs> well, the owner, Hubert Zayakovsky, has had an emotional reunion with his old Seat Toledo, now that the water has finally dropped off a little bit, and it was underwater for ooh, a good eight to ten weeks. Mm. Uh, but there it is, stinky, smelly, sewage-strewn, um, water damage. It won't surprise you to learn that this Seat Toledo doesn't work anymore, but he's plonked it straight on eBay. And if, I can't exactly say there's been a flood of interest or even really a, a giant wave of interest, but certainly a ripple of amusement. And lo and behold, people are offering money for it. At the moment, I think it's got up to 400 quid. 400 quid? For a car that really doesn't work and stinks to high heaven. Um, and I should mention as 110,000 non nautical miles on the clock as well. <laughs> Adam Gilchrist with your UK report, 400 quid, 4,000 rand, probably a little more than that, about close to 5,000 rand for that car, which is uh, decidedly more than someone is offering the city for the logo, the new logo, which I must tell you, I've looked at it and I thought it would grow on me. Um, it didn't. We'll chat to that gentleman coming up.